Hi, welcome to The Bug Plug, a podcast about all things insects, arachnids, arthropods, creepies, and crawlies. I'm Kaylee, and today we're learning about bees. On every other episode of The Bug Plug, we've learned about one specific bug. We're doing something a little different today. We're gonna learn about so many bees. If you didn't look at the running time, this episode will be on the longer side. Because this is the start of the episode, I'm not exactly sure how much longer it will be compared to the others, but based on my notes, it'll be quite a bit longer. If you like this better than just focusing on one specific bug, please reach out and let me know. Okay, bees. There are more than 4,000 species of bees native to North America. All of them are great pollinators who live on nectar and pollen of the plants that they help. Pollinators are important because they help our plants grow and they give us all of our favorite fruits, vegetables, herbs, and spices. When we think of bees, we think of the colony or social bees who all live together in large groups. Most bees, however, are solitary or live on their own and provide for themselves alone. All bees are insects, so they have three body parts, six legs, two wings, two antennae. All female bees have stingers at the end of their abdomens, but they rarely use them. The colony or social bees are more likely to sting if they think that you're a threat to their colony, and the solitary bees only sting if they feel threatened. Male bees lack a stinger but may act aggressive when threatened. Okay, there are six general types of bees. We're gonna talk about all of them, so get ready. We're starting with the best known social bees. So first we have the honeybees. They were originally native to Eurasia and Africa, but have been in North America since the 1620s. That's a long time, they've been here a while. They are great pollinators due to the scopal or special pollen baskets on their back legs. If you see a honeybee this spring, look on its back legs. If it's about to head back to the hive, its hind legs will be covered in yellow or orange pollen. If they're just going out for the day, they won't have any pollen on their legs. It's pretty cool to see one that's all loaded up and headed back home. Honeybees have their name because they make large amounts of honey, but I think we all knew that. The honey is made in hives, the hives are made from a special wax that the bees make, you know, beeswax. And the honey is made just by drying out the nectar from the flowers. This drying is done by using their wings as tiny fans. Isn't that cool? The honey is used to feed the hive throughout the winter as honeybees are the only colony bees who live through winter. If you're upset that we eat the bees' winter food, don't worry. The bees make a lot of honey much more than they could eat. When a hive gets too packed with honey, it will collapse and the survivors will have to build a new hive. By harvesting the honey that's left in the hives each spring, beekeepers can help the bees while also giving us tasty honey. Honeybees have to live in a colony. If one gets separated, it will die. Each bee has a specific job and without having others doing their jobs too, the bee won't make it. When the colony gets too big, it will split in half, resulting in the swarms we sometimes see. These swarms are usually just the relocation of a queen and all the worker bees that follow her. 
Part of the colony will stay in the old hive and will produce a new queen to take over. If you see a swarm, call a local beekeeper to move them. Please do not call an exterminator. These are important to our ecosystem and should not be purposefully killed. On that note, honeybees do die if they sting you, so be sure to leave them alone if you find one. The second group of social bees are the bumblebees. These are my favorite. They're large and fuzzy and just amazing. Unlike honeybees, they don't build a hive and they don't produce honey. Instead, they take over abandoned rodent or bird nests that are already well insulated. They're very lazy. I love them so much. They abandon their nests each winter when all but the queen dies. The queens will survive in the winter to help raise the new larvae in the spring. Bumblebees are great pollinators. Their dense hair helps them carry more pollen. They also have a unique way of gathering pollen that's pretty great. It's called buzz pollination, and they just shake the flowers and collect all the falling pollen. Because of the low maintenance life of a bumblebee, they're often kept as pollinators in greenhouses to help with things like tomato plants. So if you have a greenhouse, you could just put bumblebees in it, make sure they have places to nest, but they could help you out. And then you could have pet bumblebees. That sounds so cool to me. If a bumblebee stings you, which is pretty unlikely, their sting is very painful, but they will not die after stinging you. I breezed through those pretty quick because they're very common and I wanted to get to the more uncommon ones. But they are the only social bees, so now we have four more groups of solitary bees. First are the large carpenter bees, not to be confused with small carpenter bees, which are in a different group. I know that's confusing. These large carpenter bees are big like bumblebees, but not nearly as hairy. They live alone in nests that they make inside of wood, usually dead logs or tree limbs, but they may nest in unfinished structural wood. So if you have like a, a raw wood deck, you may have large carpenter bees. Their nests are just long tunnels that they fill with nectar, pollen, and chewed up wood. They hide out through winter in their nests, and they rarely sting. The males have been known to be pretty aggressive if you're messing with their nest, but remember, the males don't have stingers. You may see this aggressiveness if the bees are in your deck and you're sitting right by their nest, kind of messing around. All right, the second solitary group is the cavity nesting bees. These bees live alone in small cavities, like what you would see with loose bark or little tunnels and decaying wood. These tunnels are much smaller than the large carpenter bees, and unlike the large carpenter bees, these cavity nesting bees don't always make the tunnels that they might live in. There are four types of cavity nesting bees, and we're just gonna breeze right through them. We have leaf cutter bees who carry pollen on their bellies and make nests for their larvae out of the leaves, and then they leave nectar and pollen inside the little leaf pods for the larvae to live on through winter. Then we have mason bees who often live in the mud and are a metallic blue or green or purple. They're really pretty. Then we have small carpenter bees. Remember, big carpenter bees are a different thing. Small carpenter bees are here. They're cavity nesting bees. They live in the stems of plants. And then finally, we have carter bees, who nest in soil, among rocks, or in plant stems. 
I know we usually don't do a recap before the end of an episode, but let's pause for just a moment. First, we had honeybees and bumblebees, who make up the social bee group. Then we went to solitary bees, who so far we've had the large carpenter bees and the cavity nesting bees. We are still on solitary bees. I just wanted to pause and make sure we're all on the same page because I know it's a lot. Okay, the third group of solitary bees, soil nesting bees. The majority of solitary bees live in soil, so this is the biggest group. These bees are larger and hairier than most, almost resembling a bumblebee. Similar to honeybees, they build their nests with a wax-like substance, but instead of hives, they build their little nests in soil. In the soil nesting bee category, we have digger bees, who are often found in sandboxes, squash bees, whose males are known to sleep in flowers at night, and plaster bees, who secrete a cellophane-type material for their burrows. Aren't those fun? We only talk about honeybees, and there's other fun bees out there. Okay. Now on to the final group of solitary bees, the mining bees. These are smaller bees who are often darker, either black, blue, or green, with the standard black bee stripes. They usually live in sandy soil under plant cover. The most well-known bees in this group are the sweat bees. These visit plants with smaller flowers and are named for their habit to be attracted to human sweat and are more likely to sting when compared to other bee groups. Now, not all sweat bees are attracted to your sweat, but it's a pretty common feature in this group. Okay, we learned a lot about bees today, and I said the word bee too many times. I tried to hopefully teach you about some bee groups that you may not have heard of before. If you're interested in learning more about any of the bee groups or a specific bee, let me know and we can do a more specific episode on them. I just kind of wanted to give an overview of the different bees that are out there. I know we've heard a lot about honeybees in the last few years, so I tried to do something a little bit different. I hope you enjoyed it. Okay, now on to our recap. Bees can be split into two groups, solitary and social. Of the social bees, you have honeybees and bumblebees who live together in groups. Of the solitary bees, you have large carpenters, cavity nesters, soil nesters, and mining bees. And remember, each of those groups has specific bee species in them. The majority of solitary bees actually live in soil. All bees are great pollinators and do us an amazing service in pollinating our food source plants. Bees are generally very nice insects who will only sting if they feel threatened and not all bees die when they sting. That'll do it for this long bee-related episode. Thank you so much for learning with me today. I'll see you next time here on the Bug Plug Podcast. Now we're doing bees. I really shouldn't do two episodes tonight, but I'm going to do it. I'm pausing for the intro song. I don't know why. I'm playing it in my head. Okay. Let's get through this so I can go to bed.